You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Deeply, 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 deeply loved by her brother. Her brother. It was this brother who, on the day of her death, swore to the good Lord above that he would follow in her footsteps and, 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 and just, 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 just. Don't, 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 don't panic. Oh, it all up to her, but on her terms. God, here come the terms. As a woman. And just as proud to be a woman as she ever was. For I am not Emily Kimberly, the daughter of Dwayne and Alma Kimberly. No, I'm not. I'm Edward Kimberly, the reckless brother of my sister Anthea. Ah! Holy Christ! It's a following Edward Kimberly. Who is finally How were people fooled by this? <laughs> this false charade. I had no idea. You didn't know it was Dustin Hoffman until I that had moment? No idea. Well, I guess I'm just too observant. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to a movie you probably didn't think we were going to do this week since we didn't say what we were doing last time we were on the air. Mm-hmm. Tootsie, starring Dustin Hoffman, or was it? That's up for you to decide. Welcome back. I'm Trey Harris, one of your hosts here at 80s Revisited. With me, as always, my fully male producer, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Who are you? Jesse. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm sorry. For a second Jesse. there, you're... Wait, what's happening here before my eyes? You're a chameleon. Oh, my God. You're changing. Yeah, Tootsie, uh, released <laughs> December 17th, 1982. IMDb <sighs> gives it a 7.4. Rotten Tomatoes, 89% critics, 81% audience. Yeah, so uh, people really like this movie, according to those numbers. Wow. Uh, 22 million estimated budget opened at 5.5. Domestically went on to gross 177.2 million dollars just in the U.S. Again, 1982 dollars. That's a blockbuster. Uh, worldwide was over 200 million and another 94.9 million just in rentals. So I'm surprised we didn't see you know in the age of sequelitis with all the Rockies, Friday Thirteenth, Tootsie. We haven't seen you know. First of all, I'm not sure why I didn't have you know Tootsie two, three, and four. Yeah, and you know where's the remake coming? Which, you know, you could say it was Mrs. Doubtfire because it's almost the same plot in yeah. a sense, but a lot better. Spoiler for the end of this episode. But yeah, uh, <laughs> it was directed by Sidney Pollack. He also did The Firm, Out of Africa, and one of my father's favorite movies of all time, starring Robert Redford, Jeremiah Johnson. Mm. Uh, written by Larry Gelbert, who also did Mash and the Brendan Fraser Smash, Bedazzled. And some guy called Murray Shizgle, who pretty much did nothing else. Wow. Uh, and there's a lot of other people, like, you know, story credits and all that, but I'm not going to get into that. There's too much to talk about uh, already. Uh, starring with legendary Dustin Hoffman as Michael Dorsey and Dorothy Michaels. See what they did there mm-hmm. with the name? Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that until I read it. I typed it out when I was typing this up. The, uh, you know, Michael Dorsey, Dorothy Michaels. Right. Uh, of course, I always think it does it Hoffman as Captain Hook. Uh, also, The Graduate, Kramer vs. Kramer, and Rain Man. <laughs> uh, long, you know, l- illustrious career, uh, as well as the lovely and beautiful, still beautiful, I think, Jessica Lange as Julie. She, of course, Big Fish, King Kong, and most of you youngins would re- recognize her these days as uh, pretty much, I think, every season of American Horror Story except the last one or the something like that. She's in most of them. Uh, 
Dabney Coleman, veteran of the podcast, is Ron. He was, of course, in 9 to 5 and Cloak and Dagger with the kid from uh, E.T. Uh, George Gaines, another veteran of the podcast, probably one of the, has the most films we've ever done have George Gaines in him because he was Commandant Eric Lassad in <laughs> Police Academy, which we did six uh, of them. So he's been... What a loophole. Yeah, pretty exactly. In traditional Police Academy fashion, it's an entire loophole, <laughs> strange... Uh, Rube Goldberg series of events that allows him to be crowned one of the most honored people covered on this podcast. <laughs> uh, he was John Van Horn, of course, pretty much the second I saw him, I was like, ah, it's Commandant Eric Lassad. He always, he's like, you know, he's like, uh, I guess David Acovney, he's always Mulder to me. Shatner's yeah. always Captain Kirk, like George Gaines. He's done, he, I mean, he passed away not too long ago, actually, just a couple years ago. Uh, I think in 2014 I was looking at our 20. Nice. No, this year I'm this sorry. Year. Yeah, he was 98, almost almost made it to 100. Go down to his acting credits. It had what was it 89? Well, that's surprising. I thought it would at least be in the hundreds. Uh, 89 uh, credits, but he's been around a long time. But he'll always be Commandant Eric Lassad to me. Uh, also starring uh, George Gaines. Uh, I'm sorry, no, I just said him. Sorry, uh, Gina Davis in her first film ever as April. Uh, of course, Long Kiss Goodnight. She's been on the podcast before with The Fly, Beetlejuice. Uh, Charles Durning was less. He was also in The Sting, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Dog the Afternoon. He's a uh, character actor, and he has over like 200 credits, I think. You, you see, when you see his face, you're like, oh, I know that guy. The name of him in film, he's probably somewhere in the background or a supporting actor, and it's been in a lot of stuff. And thankfully, the saving grace of this film for me, Bill Murray is Jeff, of course, Ghostbusters, Stripe, Stripes, not Strife, mm. Caddyshack, Life Aquatic with Zizu. You know who Bill Murray is. One of the, I have an idea. What's that? That of who he is. Oh, small idea, <laughs> big idea. Yeah, you, small you're idea. saying you've seen him in something. Yeah. Possibly, I've maybe. seen him in some, so I got that going for me. Okay, that works. <laughs> uh, Two-sentence synopsis. Actor can't get work in New York. Actress can. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, we're, doing the, we're covering this movie, first of all, because need, I needed to have something watched for the episode, and I have a bank on my computer of films like, these are some big movies from the 80s that I at least have some familiarity with. If I need to, if I've been too busy and haven't, you know, planned something out, pull something from it and watch it. Well, this came out of the hat this week, so <laughs> uh, that's why we're doing it. Uh, I have no love for this film. Mm. Uh, it's not a bad film. It's just, as a kid, I remember seeing the cover and being confused. Yeah. Dustin Hawk, like, what is this? Again, born. I was born in '80, so you know yeah. when I'm cognizant as a five-year-old in 1985, where this isn't a big thing like it is today. Where like you know you have Medea every two months making a movie, or in the wake of Mrs. Doubtfire, right, right. kid-accessible movies that feature characters like this. It's like, well, what's happening here? Didn't have a clue. But you know, I'd seen bits and pieces of it and never really understood it. And I saw it like a long, long, long time ago in total. And it's like, what an impressed then. So rewatching it for revisiting it for the podcast as we do here. Uh, no love lost for me on this film. Not a bad film. It's just, it's just not funny. And then as I was going over it for the podcast, in terms of like the behind the scenes stuff and what some of the actors had to say, yeah, they really didn't view it personally as a comedy either. Mm. Which uh, we'll get down a little bit, but yeah, uh, you know, the whole time I'm watching, I'm thinking, okay, Mrs. Doubtfire did this so much better ten years later. And it's not. It's not. It's not like Mrs. Outfire, you know, jokingly, you know, it's not a remake or a reboot of the Tootsie franchise. Right. But uh, this, and let's not understate, going by the numbers earlier, this was a huge hit. So I'm, I'm just thinking like, okay, what am I missing here? Uh, and I think it's simply the fact that 
I was expecting to laugh my ass off and didn't laugh too, too much unless Bill Murray was on the screen. Which is exactly the problem with the new Ghostbusters movie, which we'll talk about at the end of the Eh. podcast. (laughs) Because everybody wants to hear about that movie, right? Right. Like, you're not already sick of it. But yeah, uh, (laughs) to me, the biggest thing about this film, watching it, you know, in today's climate, this isn't unusual. And, I mean, it's unusual that a guy's dressing like a girl in the 80s to become an actor and and actually fooling people. Yeah. Especially when that male is Dustin Hoffman. (laughs) Of all people, (laughs) Dustin Hoffman. Which uh, we'll get into that a little bit with some of the trivia too, uh, and and it's so funny because there's just I hate to keep bringing up Mrs. Doubtfire because it's in the '90s and this is '80s revisited, it's but closest for, um, comparison. Though. Yeah, I mean, it really, it really, it really is, and that's not saying there's not a whole bunch of movies that have this same kind of trope. I mean, Tom Hanks in the '80s was in Bosom Buddies, where this was the entire show practically, uh, for the most part, except they were I think using it to live cheaply and a female only thing. This thing got a lot of Oscar noms. Yeah, I think like ten. I have written later. What? So, yeah, again, so I'm watching it with this in mind, just thinking, like, what? I understand, like, what this movie is trying to say, but it's, it's, it's just, I'm just confused how it's getting there, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, again, you know, and honestly, this really, after watching it, you know, this isn't, this isn't necessarily a movie that we normally do on this podcast. Right. Because we like to do, you know, a lot of the cult films, a lot of the more fun movies. I mean, this is probably one of the most serious films we've done on here in terms of the subject matter, uh, and not the surface subject matter, but what, like, the film is actually about, about how, you know, you know gender roles in society and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, every now and then I get on my little tiny soapbox and say something about something, but it's not, it's not that often, I and mean, it's always in, you know, because some movie, like, you know, Abortion and Dirty Dancing... Right. You know, you watch that now, like, this movie's about abortion. <laughs> you know, again, this movie was in the comedy section of my video store back in the day. So I it's always thought this IMDb. was a comedy. Like, IMDb, comedy, drama, romance. Yeah, uh, com- like, if you want to put it in order of what it is, it's drama, romance, ellipsis, comedy. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, again, I'm not trying to hate on the film too much. It's not a, ba- it's not a bad movie. Uh, but it's, I was completely blown away with how un-80s revisited this, of a movie this is, mm. having watched it as an adult, and like, okay, yeah, this is a little serious, like, this is a little more adult, <laughs> in the sense <laughs> of, you know, for the general discussions we like to have here, but, uh, yeah, to me, the, big, uh, one of the, the first thing about this movie, in, again, sorry, bringing up Mrs. Doubtfire again, but they set it up why he had to do that in that film, like, okay, like, I, if I want to see my kids, yeah, I can't do it like this. I can, oh, I can pretend to be somebody, you know, I can do something else to get that. Right. You know, it, it, it had a logical progression in a sense for Mrs. Doubtfire. Hmm. This film is like, there's a scene like where Sidney Pollack, the director playing his agent, is like, you can't work in this town, Michael. Nobody will work with you. Next shot, total woman already in drag. I'm going for this interview. Like, bam, like it's already there. It's just like. Oh, there's no build up to it. Yeah, it's just like, I'm thinking like, okay. There's a few other things you could have tried first before going full drag. Yeah. Step one, become a woman. <laughs> just boom. You know, I don't know. It's just, it seemed like, I mean, it's a, I don't know. It's just like. That's a writing issue. I think so. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, the most, there's a lot of like dispute about some of the ideas for the film and all that, like behind the scenes stuff. We're not going to get into too much of that because I want to get some of the more interesting and fun stuff because right. that's what this podcast is about for yeah. the most part. 
which is why we still haven't done Last Temptation of Christ, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's an 80s film, it's a Scorsese film. Well, that episode would be a little too deep for this podcast. Right, right, That would be best for something on NPR for me to do, not on here. This is for fun and to make your ride to work or your uh, bike ride or whatever the hell you're doing a little more fun. So let's try to, let me try to turn this around. Yeah, uh, didn't like this film. (laughs) Uh, It's... uh, I don't know. I just don't hate. I'm doing what my parents do when it drives me insane. I just repeat myself sometimes too much. But uh, well, not a lot of people agree with you. According to the uh, IMDb breakdowns, it looks like about what seven percent of people rated a five or less. Mm-hmm. I th- and see, I, I'm only I'm not, again. I'm not trying to like say like I hate the movie because my score right. is reflective of it. It is a good movie. Mm. It's just not a funny movie. Right. And I don't think they, you know, we did Dirty Dance on here because, yep, excuse me, sorry. Yeah, they it's have, a drama, but it's a silly drama. So there was a lot of fun in, in talking about that movie. I mean, right on the cover it says Tootsie, marvelous fun. Yeah, it is not marvelous fun. I didn't think so. Eh. You know, that was it, from the New Yorker. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. no wonder. <laughs> yeah, to us it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but again, and, and then you know, watching this film, you have ten Oscar nominations. 200 plus million worldwide box office and another nearly 100 million in rentals. People love this film. Like this is this was a insanely popular film. And believe me, if you look at like the little stills, yeah. Like you know like and Bill and like I didn't even realize Bill Murray was in it. Totally didn't think about that. And you know what? And the more I talk about it, I think Miss Doubtfire just ruined this film for people for this type of film. Uh. Because Mrs. Doubtfire to me is one of the funniest films if not Robin, probably Robin Williams' funniest film, to me at least. Uh, definitely up there. And then, you know, retrospectively going back and looking at a precursor to that, expecting, wrongfully so on my part, expecting something on the, along the lines of uh, Mrs. Doubtfire and getting something that's not even close mm. at all. And in my opinion, now, of course, you know, I guess the generation ahead of us, they might, oh, that movie was hilarious. Have you seen it recently? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, again, not to bag on it. it. The overall idea of the film is it's it's a good film. It's well made. It's it's exceptionally well acted. Just not a comedy. Mm-hmm. So if, if this is a film that you've heard about or you have a vague recollection, like I did, I would suggest maybe skipping it, unless like unless you want something a little more serious. Um, uh, if you go into it knowing that it's a drama, a dramedy, more so. Mm-hmm. Big emphasis. This movie is a drama. This is not just. This is not a Judd Apatow film, although it's almost two hours long, I think. Uh, yeah, you know, so it is, it, it's, it's a two-hour comedy. That's, uh, there you go. That's the best way to describe this film. It's a two-hour comedy. Uh, excuse me, two-hour dramedy. Yeah, I was going to uh, say. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, comedies, you know, it's very rare for a, a good comedy, in my opinion, to go over 90 minutes. Usually it's bam, 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 re- plot resolution, bam, 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 out. Comedies don't win Oscars. Usually not. And rarely get as many nominations as this one's got. So that tells you something about where this stands in the comedy front. That's an exceptionally good point. Mm. Uh, but yeah, uh, I and mean, honestly, like, and I, I like, as, as evidenced by the movies, evident by the movies that we've covered on this podcast, we've covered a lot of different things, everything from Xanadu to Big Trouble in Little China to The Fly to Dirty Dancing. I mean, you know, we run the gamut of genres, but this one just really caught me off guard with how, just how serious it was. And it's just, honestly, this movie's really awkward. And I think that also comes in watching it nowadays in high definition where it's like, it's a guy in a dress. Yeah. 
you know, uh, <laughs> it, there was no prosthetics necessarily. It's just make up a wig. Uh, and yet everybody's fooled. And turtlenecks. <laughs> yeah, lots of turtleneck type things. Whereas Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, make full, like, prosthesis and yeah. a, a complete character change. Not that Dustin Hoffman didn't do that in this film. Uh, I guess I should have just covered Mrs. Doubtfire because I keep coming <laughs> back to it, so I apologize for all you Tootsie fans out there. This was a precursor to it. There wouldn't be a Mrs. Doubtfire without Tootsie. In fact, some like Robin Williams were like, this movie was fantastic, I love Tootsie, but it could have been a lot funnier. And that's more Jason Alexander than Robin Williams, but that's my point. He's he took an, he took this idea, or filmmakers took the idea and kind of changed it up a bit, and made it okay. Let's go all the way comedy with this, and in my opinion, it's a lot better. <laughs> you know, but you know, there's not that there's not too many movies like this. So if this is your thing, which strangely enough, Autumn loves movies about drag queens. Not that Dustin Hoffman's a drag queen in this film, nor was Mrs. Doubtfire, but like she loves Tu Wong Fu. Right. And she loves Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which Priscilla is a great movie. That's a hilarious movie. Uh, so strange seeing Hugo weaving before he was big. As you know, you see the Red Skull, Lord Elrond, mm. Agent Smith, uh, the voice of Megatron, <laughs> yeah. and here he is, flamboyant drag queen in the desert. All right, whoa, <laughs> his greatest role yet. And honestly, it really was a good movie. If you haven't seen that one, check it out. <laughs> but that's for '90s revisited. But yeah. Uh, this film is just, it seems like they could have cut it down. They, this could have been a 90-minute movie if the gags hit. But Dustin Hoffman doesn't usually do comedy. Neither does Jessica Lange for the most part. I mean, the only honest, and, and, you know, when you th- and I say that when you, when you think of Dustin Hoffman, you don't necessarily think of comedy in, ter- in terms of his repertoire. Uh, you know, even in a movie as silly as Hook, I mean, he killed it, you know, dr- but and like in a, in, in a professional actor kind of way, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and then you have Jessica Lange. You know, she's not, she does, you know, she's not, again, not necessarily what you go to at, think, of as, think of as a comedic actress because she does a lot of drama work and she's good at it. She's really good at it. But then, you know, Bill Murray pops up and it's just like, oh, thank God, a comedic actor is in this <laughs> to kind of, you know, Bring, bring, home, bring some actual comedy. And I think, and you know, the, what's the biggest rule in comedy or to be successful at comedy? Timing. Yeah. And it's evident when you have Bill Murray pop up with his most, uh, tri- quick fact before I get into the trivia, most of his dialogues improvised. So, I mean, that's him just being Bill Murray on, on the spot with his comedic timing. And he's, I, la- I don't think I, I, I didn't keep a laugh counter, mm-hmm. but... I think every time I laughed was probably when he was on the screen or Terry Gar was screaming. There, Terry Gar, a supporting actress in here, which I just noticed I didn't put her name on the uh, cast list. Sorry, Terry. She was also in uh, Mom and Dad Save the World, Mr. Mom. Can't leave that out. Sorry. I, I know she listens. Uh, yeah, right. But anyway, uh, but I mean, uh, she's a comedic actress. When she shows up, you, you get those comedic moments as well. Uh, because, again, I think it's just the timing. Not that Dustin often doesn't have timing. He's an exceptionally gifted actor, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, you know, the main, the, you know, lead actor, lead actress, supporting actor, supporting actress, all dra- dramatic actors. It's when you get into the supporting, supporting cast, so to speak, that you get the comedic actors like Bill Murray. Gina Davis even has good comedy, comedic mm-hmm. timing. She's done a lot. Uh, George Gaines, Police Academy, he's got it. He, I laughed a lot when he was on the screen as well because, again, I just couldn't. I just saw him being <laughs> that character before he became commandant of you know the Police Academy. <laughs> you know, so it's just. I guess that's just my real. What it boils down to, this film for me was just uneven. 
in terms of expectations, but also what the film itself is trying to be. But let's get into the trivia, because that's where a lot of that's explained in terms of the behind-the-scenes stuff that was going on. Uh, Dustin often allegedly, and I, I stress that, because when you see him in as Dorothy Michaels, you, I, I didn't buy it. Uh, mm. Even though, you, of course, there's a difference when you know, but believe me, there, there are uh, professional uh, drag queens, drag kings out there that wouldn't know, you know, I wouldn't know till you pull an Ace Ventura moment and ask if a gun's digging into your hip. Right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, so, uh, but he said he uh, tried out his role as Dorothy by passing himself off as his daughter's Aunt Dorothy at her parents' evening at school. His performance was so strong, he actually convinced the teachers present they never suspected. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, that I, sounds I, like a hype story. I think so, too, because I, <laughs> it's just not convincing. <laughs> Believe me, I know a thing or two about trying to do this. Thanks to Halloween parties. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that's true. It, a, you convinced I, me. <laughs> and I know, A, it takes a lot of work, uh-huh. but B, every guy can't do it. <laughs> you yeah. can't just put on some makeup. I'm not even going to attempt. And do that. Believe me. Uh, the crew would only give bad news to Dustin Hoffman if he was in drag. They said he was much nicer as a woman. So take what you will. Wow. <laughs> I guess Dorothy Michaels is just, you know, a nicer Brings person. Brings out the nice in him. Yeah. Brings out the, uh, <laughs> the more ladylike in his personality. And this was interesting, too, because, again, I hadn't seen this in years, totally forgot Bill Murray was in it. His name isn't in the opening credits. And they did that intentionally because they didn't want people to watch it. Oh, come on. Think it was a comedy, a Bill Murray comedy in Long Lines of Caddyshack or Stripes, which, in retrospect, good idea. But still, the second I saw Bill Murray pop up, I was like, oh, Bill Murray said, awesome. You know, this is going to be funny. And it was every time he showed up. Right. And again, some they of the must other have supporting known, cast. They must have known then that it wasn't going to be that funny. Because this is a plot that when I can, I didn't watch the trailer. Uh, I don't know if you even know if I've seen the trailer, but I'm sure it was trailered, for lack of a better description, as being a hilarious film, not a dramedy. Uh, dramedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I don't think, and I'm sure Bill Murray probably showed up in the trailer because this is 80s Bill Murray, early 80s Bill Murray, you know, fresh off of SNL, really big that that would have been a selling point for the film as well. Because, again, yeah. it made a ton of money. This film has made a ton of money. Uh, let me see. Uh, the, Corey, the character of Dorothy originally did not speak with a southern accent, but in doing research, Justin Hoffman discovered that his voice fell more closely into the range of female pitch while doing the accent, which the second he started talking, I was like, okay, this, is, this doesn't work. <laughs> it's a bad... It's, you know, it's like Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. He's a dude trapped in a dude trying to be another dude. He's a man trapped in a woman though. trying to be a different ethnicity, or a different uh, vocabulary, or uh, accent, whatever that word, uh, ethnic accent, so to speak. I can't think of a yeah. way to describe Regional that. Regional accent. There you go. For sure. Thank you. You know. <laughs> and yeah, his voice at times did sound feminine, but if you just shut your eyes and listen, that's, that's just like me trying to talk just like this. Does this convince you that I'm a woman? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And you heard him. In, you heard him in the opening. I'm convinced. Which I mean, I'm not. I am not dusting off, and I will never hold a candle to anything that man has ever done sure. in terms of acting. I'm just saying, you know, this. Let's see, 82. You know, what is it? Uh, 30, 40 years later. Yeah. Not convincing, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but again, you know, looking at it now, because that's what again we're it's 80s revisited. Looking at it now, this and spoiler for in a few minutes from now, just doesn't hold up. Uh, but based on the act, I mean, the uh, Oscar nominations and the critics' reviews uh, in terms of the aggregate Rotten Tomatoes and the gross, people love this film when it came out. So that's indisputable. This made a ton of money, and people loved it then. 
But as we do here on the podcast and revisit it, meh. Meh. But uh, let's see. Uh, oh, I thought, I thought this was hilarious. This is a little lengthy, so I apologize. But I, it, it ends really... I thought it was funny how it ends. Uh, so I've seen the movie where Dustin Hoffman, as Dorothy Michaels, tells April, Gina Davis's character, that she thinks of all the younger actresses as her daughters and what kind of mother would I be if I didn't give my girls tips? In an in a interview on Jimmy Kimmel, Gina Davis recalled that since that was her first movie, she actually you know, got a lot of advice from Hoffman, but he did it as the Dorothy Michaels character to her, just like he kind of exactly what happened in the movie, because Hoffman's a really big method actor as well. It's really into it and stuff like that. But one piece of advice he gave her was, I know you're going to move to Hollywood and be successful, and your co-stars are going to hit on you, and you should not sleep with your co-stars. It's a bad idea. So here's what to say. When they hit on, you, hit on you, you say, I would love to, be very flattering, but I'm afraid it would ruin the on-screen sexual tension between us. Gina Davis said that she later used that very same line on Jack Nicholson when he hit on her, and Nicholson's response was, oh my God, where'd you get that? What a line. Oh man. <laughs> so, see, it ends well. There's a good uh, line there. Uh, the movie's line, I was a better man with you as a woman than I ever was with a woman as a man. Know what I mean? Was voted the number 61 best line in terms of the 100 greatest movie lines by Premiere magazine. Wow. Uh, whatever. It's even hard to say. It is. <laughs> it's, but see, that, and to me, that line sums up the film. If you yeah. get that line, or if you, you're th- if you, you have to think about what that line's saying. Yeah. It's, it's a good line in context of the film, and it sums up what the whole film's about. Doesn't mean it's one of the greatest movie lines. Nobody goes around mm-hmm. quoting that, like at you know at ball games. Yeah, I was a better woman than I was a man. You know, nobody. You know, it's a good line for the film, and it, it, it you know it's almost like a the th- that is the thesis of this film, right? Basically, that line that doesn't like he learned what a woman has to deal with, which is a big issue today, tying into the Ghostbusters re- uh, reboot, which we'll talk about in a little bit mm-hmm. as well. You know, a similar thing going on today, but uh. The working title of the film was originally Would I Lie to You, which is too much. Uh, but Dustin Hoffman suggested the title Tootsie, and Tootsie, because Tootsie was the name of his mother's dog. And they only say the name, like, you know, going into the film and, like, what I remembered, I thought her name was Tootsie. That was, like, the deal. Like, I thought it was this too. is her. This is the character. Excuse me. Dabney Coleman calls her Toots, Tootsie, like, one time. And that's where, like, they fit the title in. No. And that kind of trope of, you know, how fil- films that say their titles in them. Yeah. That's where it happens in this film. Huh. Uh, the actors were told not, and th- this is telling too. Like again, knowing this before you go into it, you probably you might enjoy the movie a lot more than I did, uh, due to my false assumptions. Uh, the actors were told not to approach their characters as comedic characters, but as dramatic characters in a funny situation. Cindy uh, Pollack commented, "No one ever laughed during the shooting of any of the scenes of the film. It's only funny because of its story structure." Which, yeah, he's right, but also. I don't see how, uh, I think that's the, also an inherent, again, not, not necessarily a problem with the film, but for the concept and the idea and the, for lack of a better word, mystique around the film, I don't think anybody thought this was a drama. Or, you know, and it doesn't, and for a future reference, it doesn't work to act dramatic in a comedy, comedic situation when, you, when Dustin Hoffman's one of your main, is your main star because that dude can act his fucking ass off. So, you know, it, it, again, not not to hate on it because I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just, I think there's a lot of ideologies going on with this film, and the pieces don't quite fit. You have to push the pieces together to make them fit. They weren't selling the right product. Yeah, but yeah. again, 
proofs in the money that this film made, so what do I know? Just give me my opinion, yo. Uh, in 2007, the American Film Institute ranked this as the number 69th <laughs> greatest movie of all time. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's just my opinion. I'm missing something with this film. I mean, 10 Oscar nominations, all this other stuff we said, and I've said several times. Uh, Dorothy's breasts were custom-fitted prosthesis purchased from an outlet specializing in post-mastectomy products and cost $175 each. So, uh, $350, or my, yeah, $350 for his breasts in this film. My Halloween cost $40 for two of them. Yeah. Technology advances. <laughs> you can get them cheap now if you're looking for them. Oh, I love technology. $175 for fake breasts <laughs> in $1982. That was half the budget. Mm. Uh, most of Bill Murray's... Okay, go back to what I said earlier, or just recently, more recently, I should say, because I mentioned this next thing earlier, too, about what Sidney Pollack said about everybody was approaching it as dramatic actors in a comedic situation. Well, most of Bill Murray's dialogue was improvised, as I said before, and I'm repeating now. So, yeah. You could see that contrast just when it goes between... In the party scene when Michael gets home from his uh, work, I guess, he was a waiter, and Bill Murray walk in to get a surprise party. Like, when it goes to him flirting with girls, it's a little awkward. It's It's... You know, he's got a chuckle, maybe, but then you get to cut to Bill Murray, where he's, like, doing <laughs> his Bill Murray thing, and it's just like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> different strokes for different folks, whatever. Uh, strangely enough, in 1982, this was one of three films providing four different performances that were Oscar-nominated for drag at the Academy Awards ceremony, which, of course, 1982 films honored in 1983, an all-time record for any one year. The movies and the actors were, of course, Dustin Hoffman for this one, Julie Andrews and Robert Preston for Victor Victoria and John Lithgow for The World According to Garp. An excellent example of a dramedy that's really funny and really good at the same time. Exi- both halves exist like a yin-yang, evenly. Mm. Uh, so that's never that's only time in history, Academy Award history, to where one year, three films, uh, half, the, half the nominees were in drag. So there you go. Probably will never happen again. Uh, it's, now it's like, it seems like one, once a year is now the, the deal. There's in, in the group, yeah. Uh, I guess not even. Let me say an award season, because mm. you had uh, what's his name in Transamerica? Not Transamerica. Uh, Transparent. I forget his name. Um, I see yeah, his face. Yeah, yeah. He's in so Rest much. I can hear his voice. Yeah. Uh, you know. He, you know. He, I think he won an Emmy for that, or nominated for that, and then now it's you with Jared Leto, undeservingly, whatever. Blah blah blah. Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah. You know, so like now it's like in award season, you might have one performance here or there, or Laverne Cox for Orange is New Black with the Emmys, or you know whatever, uh, different roles like that. You know, you see those every now and then. But in 19, again, go back thirty years, thirty, you know, over thirty years, and at the Academy Awards in one year, four performances in three different films that are all involving, uh, you know, an issue today that's still hotly debated and still less rare. But you know, turn the table back to the Reagan years of the early 80s, and that's really phenomenal. And how much the 80s were actually ahead of their time, and nobody thinks about that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, the, all of the insane ways Dorsey gets fired, or Dustin Hoffman's character, Michael Dorsey, gets fired or quits from a production in the uh, kind of the montage and the opening of the film actually happened to Dustin Hoffman, which makes me think, what an asshole. <laughs> just, take, just do the part. Yeah. But it worked for him because he's, you know... Arguably one of the you know best actors out there. He is who Still he works. Is. Still does phenomenal performances. Uh, this movie, along with The Verdict, uh, premiered in, 19, in December of 82. Both of these were the first screen roles, although uncredited, for Tobin Bell. Uh, Tobin Bell, if you don't know who he is, he's Jigsaw from Saw. 
So uh, mm. I don't know where he showed up in this film, but yeah, so first Gina Davis movie and also the first Tobin Bell movie. One of those people still works. One of them you see every now and then. Well, I guess Gina Davis, I that show not too long ago. I don't know. I'm bad on dates. Yeah, I don't remember. There's a new Saw coming out anyway, so I don't know if Tobin Bell's going to be in it, but I'm sure they'll have his voice about playing games. Hello, Michael <laughs> Dorsey. Let's play a game. Can you pretend to be a woman to make money in a soap opera and maintain stable female relationships in your life? Make your choice. Can you do the voice? <laughs> Probably not. I just don't know. I'll try so hard. <laughs> just... <laughs> it's just so funny to me. <laughs> and again, revisiting it, it's... You know, certain things that aren't that weren't funny when it came out are funny now, but the movie as a whole is just not funny. It's funny again. Yeah. Yeah, in a few years maybe it will be. Who knows? Maybe it's 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 timeless in terms of a rotation of what's relevant. Maybe we'll see. Mm. Uh, the, again, the picture nominated for nominated for a sizable ten Academy Awards in 1983, including Best Picture, was only able to take home one, which went to none other than lovely Jessica Lange for Best Actress in a Supporting Role, which she was fantastic in the film. And she and see her character was actually one that really. You know, what shit wasn't funny. She was like the dramatic anchor of the film for the most part because she's, there's no reason for her to be funny, even though the situation is funny. Even when her and Michael kiss, when he's the, dressed as uh, Dorothy, you know, it's not even, that's not even funny. That, I mean, it gets like crazy. Like, oh, no, no, no. Like, and then Dustin Austin, oh, no, I can't tell you why I wanted to do that. Blah, blah, blah. Like, let me explain. And it just, you know, it, it stays, again, like Pollock, although that's what is what the director wanted. It stayed in that dramatic realm. But, you know, not a comedy. I had to keep telling myself, okay, this is not a comedy. Stop being so critical. It's not a comedy. But anyway, that kind of wraps it up on the trivia and all that kind of stuff. We've kind of beat a dead horse with my opinion of this film. <laughs> uh, however, it is a good movie when you know what you're going into. Right. Uh, Score-wise, I'd give it a seven. It's exceptionally well acted. It's There's some great lines in terms of what it, the movie is trying to say as, you know, we talk about the line that's... Uh, tongue twister to repeat off memory uh, but it sums up the film perfectly uh, and it's, it's it's well there's nothing bad about this film it's just that don't go into it thinking that you're, it's going to be a good comedy to laugh at if right. you want to laugh if you want a comedy you watch Mrs. Doubtfire if you want to like watch a really good film that'll make you kind of think a little bit and have some funny parts Tootsie's the one for you so I'll leave it at that for now and yeah, anyway, this film again released December 17th, 1982. In the real world, uh, a little over a week later, in Time Magazine, for the first time ever, their man of the year was given to a non human. It was given to the computer. Oh. So, 1982 is officially when the computer arrives, so to speak. The porn machine. <laughs> As it is today. <laughs> <laughs> and where the virtual reality is going in a couple months when that's released yeah. with the PlayStation and all that other stuff. <laughs> the next battleground for porn. Right. Because that's where it all ends up. Yep. See that Blu-ray you're, you're watching the other day? Yeah. Blu-ray's here because of porn. <laughs> it's exceeded. You don't watch HD, HD DVD anymore because of porn. Yeah. That's, that's literally the reason, people. Porn <laughs> changes the world. Makes the world go round. And uh, Back to the Future for this segment. I'm actually going to, we're going to start changing Back to the Future to where when we do this segment, it's just going to be a little general bullshit about what we've been playing, what we've been watching. Oh, yeah. Just to kind of, because a lot of other podcasts do that. What's and, going on? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of, some people do it at the beginning, some people do it at the end. Uh, we do, you normally do it spurs throughout when we go on random tangents. Yeah. So instead of just kind of covering one thing, usually, as we normally do for the Back to the Future segment, it's just going to be some bullshitting as we wind down the show. 
Uh, but yeah, a couple of things. Uh, video games first. Finally, Jesse, I finally got to play South Park The Stick of Truth. <laughs> Just beat it yesterday. You uh, played on what, PS4? But yeah, because uh, when they announced the fractured comma butthole, right. <laughs> uh, they announced that if you pre-order that one, you get the original remaster oh, okay. version, which I didn't pre-order that one because I wanted to play the first one first, mm-hmm. but they made it backwards compatible. Oh, excuse me, I played on Xbox, not PlayStation. Right, right, right. Uh, So it was on the store for like eight bucks. So finally, I got to play it. You were not lying. It was so... It was hilarious. Yeah, it's like watching a movie. It was, (laughs) yeah, it was better than the movie we just talked about. The integration. Yeah, it was flawless. Yeah. It's like, wait, am I playing the game now or is it showing me a cutscene? Yeah, the, the genius of it to me was that... They fit in so many different things, like the whole Underpants Gnomes plot line. Yeah. All these other things to where, like, it's like, okay, you must go round up all their other alliances. And, like, okay, something simple. But then you show up, like, no, you got to do this. You know, Randy shows up. And it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, it goes to the, you know, never thought it would go these places. Right. Mr. Slave shows up. Went to a place <laughs> I never thought it would, I, I would ever go in a video game. I, uh, no perfor- one ever wanted to go in the video game. I performed an abortion. Yeah. Twice. <laughs> which... That, 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 that part so made me funny. want to rage quit the game because I don't know if you had this issue, but with the, the, the only parts of the game that I absolutely hated were the parts that involved the sticks. The sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The like the stuff. abortion part, it's a three-phase part. It's really simple when you break it down. The first part is you have to hit down on the stick when a needle is centered. Yeah. You know, even though I would hit down sometimes, it would just not activate. He would just not stick Oh, it. wow. And the second part was you have to do some circular thing. Yeah. And then, like, you know, I, the first time I did it, I, I passed it no problem. And then I messed up on the third part and ripped one of Randy's balls off. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, you have to play this game. It's a, it is so funny. Autumn, my wife, who doesn't like watching me play video games at all, like sat there like she was watching, like you were saying, a movie or an episode of the show and laughing yeah. out loud. Yeah. The game is that funny. It is the funniest game I've like ever South played. Park, of course. Yeah. And, and their humor. Yeah. Every if, episode of it. If you don't like South Park, you're. It's still a well-made RPG. Yeah. I love the game. Like, the gameplay itself was awesome. Well, they, they were saying the biggest complaint about it was the combat system. Really? And I thought it was just a classic combat system yeah. when it wasn't much new, and that was fine. You can't do much more but with a South Park style. Yeah, yeah. But in the in trailer a, for the new one, that's one of the jokes they made. was like, this time we're going in with a better combat system. I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh it's just the the uh, analog stick parts. Yeah, that I, was a pain in the ass. I remember failing. Like, on I had that to look. Too. I, I looked it up to see. Like, okay, first of all, reset the game. Think, oh, it's backwards compatible. Maybe like this, the commands Something's aren't going through. Up, yeah, still didn't work. Thirty minutes later, like I'm like screaming at this game, like raging. Like I haven't done that yeah, in years. Yeah, because you're moving right along, and, and then, then it stop. Yeah. And the bad thing is, I changed out. Like you have to put on the doctor clothes. Right. And I changed out of it for all the combat that just took place. Yeah. Went in my armor. So then every time I had to reset it or retry, it's not just like you go back to the beginning of the sequence. No. I go back in my barbarian armor, have to re-equip three items, which takes, you know, 30, 40 seconds. Yeah. Because you have to select each item. Not that the menu is fine, but having to redo it and then skip the cutscene, do the first part. The second part was not working, raging, (laughs) and then basically turn it off. Red online, okay, for this part, you had to spin it in the circle as fast as you can. Yeah. Like, okay, got past that. And then the other, it was just, I don't, but as I was hearing, because I was reading, you know, the posts on it, how-to posts for three years ago, two years ago, whenever it was, yeah. saying, like, this part is making me rage. I'm like, yes, they didn't fix it. Like, uh, what, is, like <laughs> what is wrong with this? And uh, But in closing, like, phenomenal game. I had a smile on my face the entire time. <laughs> 
there were like I took screenshots on the Xbox for just all the insane stuff. So right. like, <laughs> and the thing is, I was like, oh wait Go a second, there's some uh, like our friend Jimbo, his kids on Xbox. Uh-huh. He's like a friend. So he saw uh, some people fucking and inside of an asshole <laughs> yeah. and other stuff on my Facebook feed. I mean, uh, uh, Xbox feed. Xbox feed. Yeah. That's what, I hate that on Xbox. Even if you take a screenshot, it puts it in like a feed. Oh. See, I don't have Xbox, so. Yeah. Which. Not the new one. I mean. I'm fine with that. Yeah. If you're not missing much, to be perfectly honest. Because Rise of the Tomb Raider was announced today for PlayStation 4, finally. Uh, what's the date? Uh, I think September. August oh, or September. Cool. cool. Uh, so yeah, which I could have played any time on Xbox, yeah. but I knew they were coming out with a PlayStation version with all the stuff for one price. So yeah, I waited, ha- I waited half a year and I saved 30 bucks. everything. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, South Park, the stick of truth. If you have an Xbox 360 or an Xbox one, you can get on their, uh, store. It's like eight bucks with gold. Well they worth it. for PS4? They might. I don't know. Oh, okay. But, uh, I just got it for Xbox cause I wanted it to do something other than collect dust when I play <laughs> the division or Halo. <laughs> right. Right. You know? Uh, and they had a big game sale like, oh, okay. for Fourth of July, yeah. and they had better deal, some better deals than the PlayStation. Like mm. uh, Borderlands: The Handsome Collection was more expensive on PSN than it was Xbox, so I got it for Xbox. Yeah, which is a good thing because then I was able to import my characters from Borderlands Two over because yeah. I played that originally on 360. <laughs> but uh, the other game I got on Xbox, another old game, last generation game uh, that was only ten dollars and an absolute steal was Shadow of Mordor. I don't know if you played that one. I haven't played it. Yet. It was the Game of the Year edition, ten bucks on Xbox One. Uh, fucking awesome game. Yeah. Like it was, it was a that and South Park. I'm, I'm so glad. Like I'm, I'm, I have a gap, a hole in my life now because I have nothing to play. Because <laughs> when I was, it was just like you know when I'm so far behind though. When uh, you know, like I back just picked in the up day, Arkham Knight. <laughs> I haven't played it yet. I was like wait, Arkham Knight. That was the second one. No, no wait, that was the last. That's the, the last most recent yeah, one because it was Arkham Asylum. Arkham, yeah, Arkham Knight. Yeah, I would say I heard, I heard it wasn't that great, but I mean, it was on the Prime deal for like. 14 bucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's worth that price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's not a bad game, but it's way too much Batmobile. In my, uh, like, that's my only complaint with the game. Like, the Batmobile right. combat, I liked. I don't like driving games. Oh, like, see, that's I kind of do, though. So you, you, might, you might not care about it that much. Yeah. But, like, there's a whole bunch. Like bu- GTA you know, and stuff like you that. You have to get... See, I like GTA's driving. Yeah. I don't do the race missions. Out oh, there, any, that anything too. that's outside of the story that's Need a race. Need for Speed, stuff like that. Yeah, I like see, I like Need for Speed. I like the... the crazy racing games older yeah. need for speeds like the hot pursuits mm-hmm. that kind of thing oh yeah yeah but not like i don't buy fucking forza or no you know, no, no nothing like that, that. I, I, arcadey racers put it that way uh and the batmobile stuff was just i just didn't like it like there's you have to you face firefly and mm-hmm. you have to catch him and his last mission i could never catch him like as i would have I don't know what I was doing wrong, so I just, you know, fuck it. Should I give him an abortion? <laughs> I wish I could. I've given two abortions. I'm skilled. I know the, you know, I have the ability to shrink, and I can perform an abortion. I'm perfect for this mission. It's so funny in that game. It's like, you do it once, and you don't think it's coming back. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and it, then it happens again. Well, it's, it's so genius. They, and again, that's Trey Parker, Matt Stone. Like, right. I, like, I'm so excited for the fractured comma, butthole. Yeah. Because of just how ingenious this game was. Poking fun at itself. Why you're playing, and then when you go to Canada, I lost my shit. Yeah, that was so funny. I was like, yeah, Oh my god, about like that. rolling, laughing. Yeah, the summons, everything. Like, it was, it's, it's not just the best South Park game, it's like the best, you know, licensed game in a sense that I played. Yeah, and it's three yeah. years old. Yeah, you know, I played That's true. a long time. My only complaint is. I'm not an achievement whore anymore, but I liked again, like when I do play games on Xbox because mm-hmm. I do have a repute, you know, it's stupid. I know I'm not. T- 
counting it, but score. I have a lot of gamer score, so I'm like, I still like Some to at least get. Live for that. I like to at least get you know, at least 500 or something. To, and then actually, something my goal respectable. My goal was 750 in most games. Like, uh-huh. like I want unless there's a heavy multiplayer stuff, I want to at least get 750 because then. A, I'm kind of justifying spending sixty bucks on a game, getting my money's worth in a sense, not just beating it and being done with it. Oh, or, you that's know. all I do. I well, beat them like, yeah, that was a good story. Well, I mean, and that's what I do now because I don't give a shit about that. Yeah, for the most well, part, I just think about all the people who made it. That's that's what I'm paying for. Yeah, and that and is true. As long as they gave me something decent. But some games had achievements that you know were meant to like help you. Like, this is an aspect of the game we want more people to play. So if you go for that achievement, you know, we more we know people did that in the game or whatever. Yeah, and South Park has like, they're so I beat them like two hundred out of a thousand. Like, geez. So I went geez, back and like, oh, I didn't it. fart on a hundred people. I didn't fart on animals. Uh, okay. It was a lot of silly, which are awesome. But I'm not replaying the game. Like, you know, I'm not going to play the game again to wear the ginger freckles while I fight the hall monitor boss. Right, right, right. You know that kind of. There are a lot of missable achievements. Yeah. Uh, and that stuff. But I went back and before I like. Delete it off my hard drive because I have no space on my fucking Xbox drive because they make these consoles and they don't give you a big enough fucking hard drive. <laughs> so hopefully Scorpio is going to have a big one. So thankfully, here's a 500 gigabyte hard drive. And uh, yeah, you can have four games on it, by the way. You know, I did go back on South Park, though. I do remember I wasn't going for the achievement. I just wanted to see every place I could see because there were some like secret places that I didn't know about that I had to go back because I you know, found them online. And be like, oh, I never went there. You know, um, some underground stuff, just, you know, getting to certain chests that you couldn't yeah. really get to and stuff like that. Because uh, I like the Metroid aspect to it, to where, like, like when you see the crab person in the background. Yeah, yeah, I'm Like, yeah. why can't I fart and blow this rock up? Yeah. And then, oh, progress the story. Nagasaki! Yeah. <laughs> and go talk to the crab person. Yeah. And then, uh, did you find the happy tree friends? Or, they're not happy tree friends, but the talking satanic woodland creatures. I forget what they're called in South Park. But it's you go, been so long, but I probably have. Because uh, there was an achievement where we had to kill people with Cartman's power, asp- uh, magic power. Yeah. Because I didn't use him. I used him and Stan, and I was a rogue. I mean, I used Stan and myself for the most part near the end of the game because he could hit every enemy. Oh, man. I don't remember who I used. But uh, Cartman's really powerful. I didn't find this out until I was after, the, after I beat the game. I want to say uh, I did use Cartman. Because his remember. magic was like sick. Like it did a lot of damage. Yeah. But uh, I was just walking through the woods where like the Zelda kind of aspect where like you keep going and you get lost in the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I come across the Happy Tree Friends. I know that's not their name, but... Oh, I don't think I saw them. And they're yeah. like, hey, guy, what's up? You the know? Woodland Critter Christmas. Yeah, that's it. And it's literally them sitting around like, do you want to renounce your Lord and say that ours is, safe, is God? I'm like, yeah, sure. And it's like, ah, oh, praise Satan. And yeah. then you get like 18 friend requests because all those woodland creatures become your friend, <laughs> which I never would have seen that if I didn't go back. And yeah. I, I never even went in those woods. Yeah. Because I figured, oh, it's going to be some... It might be a quest later on, and by the time I beat the game, nothing came of it. Yeah. So I went back in there and, I and just stumbled across it and found them. And, uh, but it's awesome game. But yeah, going back to Shadow of Mordor, that is a, uh, speaking of Batman, like it takes the best aspects of like the Arkham series and Assassin's Creed, mm-hmm. and it's better than any Assassin's Creed game, in my opinion. And it streamlines, I think the Batman games get a little too much in terms of the, the depth of the combat. I like a deep combat system, but Batman, has, you know, you have your ice grenade, you have this, you have your, you have like fucking 70 different items you can use in combat which yeah that's cool but when you're facing like 50 enemies you know i don't know many people that use all those abilities you have your tried and true ways of getting out that work for you that you're good with shadow mordor keeps it streamlined and it's just it's that same kind of uh they basically ripped the combat off for batman for shadow mordor but it's uh it's just solid i'm not sure if it's on sale anymore but it was 10 bucks game of the year edition all the dlc 
well worth it. But it's oh. but, but both that and South Park were games I'm at work like I'm just gonna leave early today because I gotta I gotta play I gotta play I gotta play, <laughs> and uh, both wow. of them I highly recommend them. They're uh, both on backwards compatible with at least Xbox One. I'm, uh, I think Shadow Mordor is as well on PlayStation Four. I'm not sure if South Park's out hmm. for yeah, I'm already played PlayStation Four. South Park, looking forward. Another one comes out this year, right? Yeah, or Something like that. Yeah, December. But I, I mean, I already got it pre-ordered for Amazon. Fractured Amazon, butthole. So looking forward to it, definitely. And now for the main event, uh, some rec- the recent, most recent movie I saw was, uh, yeah, the Ghostbusters reboot, uh, and we everybody. In fact, our good friend, I say good friend, never met him, just talked to him online. Uh, ben Wyatt with Asia Mania Podcast was like, you hate reboots. Why are you watching this film? Because I have to just, and I told him on Facebook, I have to justify my opinion. Right. I have to know that I knew this was wrong. See, I was right. <laughs> and, you know, before, you know, there's I see so much. I don't even know where this is coming from. Like, I never saw somebody chastise the film because it was all fe- a female-led Ghostbusters. Yeah. I simply saw articles that stated, why are people so upset that this is an all-female cast? Like, so... I think it's just because I guess I surround myself with people who don't think in you know bigoted terms, so to speak. Uh, but anyway, that's not the problem with the film. The problem with the film is it's bridesmaids with proton packs. And if you like bridesmaids, huh. you probably will love this film. Uh, let, let me, let's go. Let's take it back a step. The original Ghostbusters. We covered that when Daniel was on the podcast. That's how long ago we covered it. Was I think it was one of the earliest episodes we did. And. To this day, I w- we watched Ghostbusters 1 right b- the night before we went to see the reboot. Not that I needed to, because I can practically quote the movie verbatim, but we just we actually watched it with the... There's a, the Blu-ray has like a, uh, like a pop-up video kind of track to it. So as you're watching, it just pops up stuff. So it, you're watching the movie, but you're getting behind-the-scenes stuff at mm-hmm. the same time. That's a little, that's a little more... It's, it's hitting more fun facts than like a commentary track. Well worth watching, by the way. Uh, but the original Ghostbusters is still one of the funniest movies ever made. If I had to right now give you the top five funniest movies ever made, like off the top of my head, Ghostbusters, I can, that would be one of the first ones I would name. Bar none. Still one of the funniest movies ever made. And I'll tell you one of the biggest reasons. That's because all the actors, aside from uh, Ernie, uh, the main actors, uh, aside from Ernie Hudson and Bill Murray, so basically just Harold Ramis, uh, Ivan Reitman, the director, and uh, Dan Aykroyd, they developed this film, they wrote it, they, they there was a, uh, they listened to our episode on that for a lot of behind the scenes stuff on there, but I mean, they met at Dan Aykroyd's house in his basement and hashed out this film and all their characters. And Bill Murray came in and did his Bill Murray thing, and they all meshed. And Aykroyd and Murray uh, worked together on SNL. Ramis and Murray worked together on uh, Stripes and other movies. So all these all, all these guys knew each other and worked with each other and knew each other. And that their chemistry is undeniable in that film. Their comedic chemistry is undeniable. Mm. Full disclosure: I thought Bridesmaids was fucking stupid. Not because it's, you know, a bunch of girls. All Bridesmaids did for me was prove that girls laugh at dick and fart jokes and shit jokes. Mm. You know, I mean, to me, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, full of, I'm like the hangover either. So, like, you know, it's not, a, it's not because it's all women. I don't think Melissa McCarthy's funny. I don't think Kristen Wiig's funny, aside from, you know, certain uh, SNL skits. Uh, Paul Feig, I don't think he's that great a director. Uh, however, I think the directing in, in the reboot wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. Like there was, it was, like it, this was the look of the film was actually really cool. I like the look of it. Uh, you know, people are like all oh, the ghosts are so CG. Yeah, you you know they're not gonna. They were. There's no way in hell they were gonna have practical onset yeah. effects. You know, but the film has a distinct look to it. The you know people like have this is, movie has been dissed and panned and all this other kind of stuff. 
for all the wrong reasons. The reason that this movie, I didn't like this film was because it simply wasn't funny. Yeah. Bottom line. I, let me tell you, when, when the funniest parts of your film are the scenes with the actors from the original cameoing, and not you know, this, the original didn't happen. This is a, this is a reboot. Right. Because uh, I remember at first, I could have swore they said it, it was like a continuation. This is basically Ghostbusters 3. Or not, that, that's not the case. So that was the last I heard because I, I didn't follow it. I, just, I said, I'll see it when it comes out. I'll make my judgment on the final product. Uh, but anyway, so all the main when all the main cast from the old one, minus Rick Moranis, unfortunately, sorry to bust your bubble, uh, mm. show up. Those are the best parts of the film. You're like, oh yes, awesome, and it's and, it, they're, and they're gone. It's like okay, now we're back to this cast. And speaking of the cast, uh, Kate McKinnon steals the show. She's hilarious. Wow. Uh, and she, I think she's pretty hot. Uh, Leslie, what's the uh, What's the other girl's yeah. name? Leslie Jones, I think, yeah. maybe? Yeah, She's great. A lot of people, I've seen, like, and she's been all over the place because people are harassing her on Twitter or something. Grow the fuck up, people. Mm. Uh, I thought, she, you know, she plays exactly how you think she'd play in the film. Uh, as you see her in the trailers, by what I mean, she plays that kind of character. She's a, a New Yorker. Uh, so they try to hit all the kind of tropes of the original characters in a sense. But this, I thought McKinnon and Jones had a good chemistry with each other when they play off each other. And, and you would think Wig and McCarthy would, and I guess some people must think they do. I don't see it. Their jokes, it's just not funny. Not funny at all to me. However, this movie was awesome in the theater, and I'll tell you why. This was, I thought this was really ingenious. I don't know if any other films have done this. I've never noticed it before. But when you see this film in the theater, it has artificial letterboxing on it. And they jump out of it. So, yeah, all the proton streams, come. they look, the 3D is so impressive because of that simple visual trick. Yeah, that's not e- like even if you watch it without 3D glasses, widescreen, it'd look awesome. Yeah, because the shit's coming out of the screen. Yeah, and it was exceptionally effective. Uh, so this is worth seeing in a theater, but it's still the third best Ghostbusters film. <laughs> uh, and again, my only complaint: it's just not funny. You, if this is a follow-up, I'm not saying Ghostbusters Two was a work of art either. You know, I haven't even done that on the podcast. That's right. <laughs> Jesse, we're get, we're almost at you know we're going on two hundred you know we're halfway to two over halfway to two hundred episodes. I got to save some of the good stuff for later, otherwise we're gonna it's gonna be nothing but crap films for the rest of the I, podcast. The Ghostbusters one was like episode twenty two or something. Well, see, like I mentioned before, I'm getting to the point. Okay, I got to think who's gonna be interesting for the hundred character battle royale at the end of the second hundred episodes. Oh, so I got to start thinking a little. I got to think. Okay, we got to have some people we know gotta just have Tootsie for, for, in there. Yeah, well, of course, we have to have a, a joke character in there. Uh, <laughs> the pal, you never know who he's gonna be matched up against, or she's gonna be matched up against. Yeah, it, who knows? Pee Wee Herman <laughs> killed Nancy, or no, uh, yeah, Pee Wee Herman, no, wait, Nancy from Mike on Elm Street killed Pee Wee Herman with a rock. Yeah, that's anything true. could happen, <laughs> you never know. But yeah, like, see, I, I, I'm not saying the new Ghostbusters isn't bad, again, it's just not funny. When I that's all I wanted this film to be, if it was funny, I would love it, but. It's a sequel to one of the funniest films of all time, in my opinion, and it's not funny. Hmm. Now, again, nothing to do with the gender of the cast. A, of course, I've said I don't like Kristen Wiig and, and Melissa McCarthy movies. I think there's a very specific audience for, especially Melissa McCarthy, with movies like The Heat and Spy and all that stuff. If you like Melissa McCarthy, you will probably love this film. I just don't like her humor. Not saying she's not funny every time, but, you know. Not for a Ghostbusters film. Chris Hemsworth is actually really hilarious in the in the show in the film too, because hmm. uh, they, you know, you didn't want to have any an Annie Potts type secretary. They had to go kind of the more stupid, absent-minded 
secretary, so to speak. And he plays into the plot. But he's, he's surprisingly, I think Chris Hemsworth is a better comedic actor than he is a dramatic actor. Because uh, uh, I made the horrible mistake of watching The Huntsman Winter's War the other night. How dare you? I know, it was so stupid. <laughs> I could, unfortunately, I think Autumn was a little interested in it. Probably because of Chris Hemsworth. But it was so, that is a stereotypical trope of a movie if I ever saw one in my life. Mm. But Charlize is in it, so... I didn't mind too much when she was on screen. But avoid that one. I promise you, don't watch it. It's garbage. Oh, I would never. It's garbage. I know. You're so much better than me, Jesse. Help me. <laughs> yeah. I can't stop watching bad movies. But I do it for you people to warn you. I'm too busy to watch bad movies. Uh, there you go. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, so again, I would recommend seeing Ghostbusters in the theater. Just don't, you know, for, you have to forget that this is something new. And your kids might like it, again, but I think they'll like it because of what's happening on the screen. And that's more so, again, the 3D is really great in the film because of that simple trick that they yeah. do in it. And also, you know, fart and queef humor really doesn't belong in a Ghostbusters film. I think that's just, those are tradition. In, in terms queef of one humor, or two. Huh? Yeah. Wow. There's a queef joke. <laughs> All right. But of course, what's, you know, again, from the people that brought you Bridesmaids, Ghostbusters. Here's what we got. You know, the people that brought you stripes. Ghostbusters. Yeah. That worked. That worked really good. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, they're, they're handing the proton pack over, so to speak, you know, basically, in a sense. But it's just like, you know, it could have been, it just, I, I don't know. I, a lot of people blame Paul Feig, if that's how you pronounce his name, but I think it's just the, 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 the humor behind the film is just not there for the pedigree that this film belongs. And that's my final, my final thought. But I would recommend it, although the new Star Trek opens this week, so I would recommend probably seeing that over this one. Mm. I haven't seen it yet, because it hasn't out yet, but looking forward to that. And also, rest in peace, Anchon Yelchin. Gone too soon. Uh, sure. But finally, let's end on a really good note, on a high, high recommend. Better than the movie we talked about this week. Better than Ghostbusters. Uh, not counting South Park, because that game was phenomenal. Uh, if you have Netflix, if you listen to this podcast because you like 80s and you like nostalgia, you need to, the second this podcast is over, go to Netflix and start watching Stranger Things. Finished it last night. Absolutely phenomenal. One of the best shows I've seen probably since True Detective Season 1. Wow. I, have you watched it, Jesse, at all or uh, started it? Uh, we just got through Episode 2. It so. is so good. It's good so far. Yeah. It, and the second it started, I'm like... I was expecting to see John, love- John Carpenter's Stranger Things. <laughs> the music. Yeah. And just it's, put you there. Uh, the Donner, not Donner, it's something brothers that did this. They also did yeah, something yeah, else. Yeah. I, I this is the first thing I've seen that they've done. And it is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we started it Friday night uh, when it came out. And then like every second that we weren't doing something, we were watching Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And my wife even stayed up way past her bedtime. You know how she is. She goes to bed like at Duffer a certain time. Duffer Brothers. Duffer, that's it. Uh, she stayed up last night so we could finish the last episode. Like, babe, there's one episode left. It's like 1030. I know you got to get up early, but can we please watch this now? Wayward I, Pines. Yeah, that's, that was uh, another like... Uh, Did you watch that? Mm-mm. Season I've heard one of it. I've never watched was it. fantastic. Season two... <laughs> uh, <laughs> season two has not kept my attention. Is it like a continuation of season one, or is it? It's not it like, is okay. So it's all. But it feels so forced. Really. Yeah, it just and I feel like every actor that was in season one's like, 
Well, we don't want to do it, so don't keep us around too long, okay? <laughs> I know. I need. A, I needed a quick uh, addendum. <laughs> uh, it's the best TV show I've seen since Fargo. Because I've seen that better recently. than Fargo, though. Uh, I like it better than Fargo. <laughs> season. Now you like season two better than yeah. Fargo, right? Yeah. See, I still haven't finished that. Because see, I need to do that though. You need to write it down. It's hard for me to. Fargo is phenomenal, and I like season two better, definitely. But Stranger Things is everything that I love in my wheelhouse. Yeah. It is the John Carpenter, it's Stephen King, it's Spielberg, it's you know, it's so many things in one package, and it is done so fucking good. I just like the it's you'll see. And yeah. and the best thing, eight episodes. They nothing they, everything, every episode matters. It's not this bullshit going flashback with an origin story or some stupid yeah. shit like Daredevil and Jessica Jones do and other Netflix originals. Stretch it out. And I've seen far. yeah. Eight episodes, wham, bam, thank you, man. In and out, fantastic fucking story. Uh, I was waiting for Mulder and Scully to show up. You know, I mean, it's it's <laughs> so good. It's I cannot recommend it enough. Believe me, if you haven't watched it yet, uh, it's highest possible recommendation. And like what? And speaking of like when you have a group of actors with chemistry, these ki- the kids in this show are phenomenal. I'm always impressed by a kid actor that na- kid actors that can nail something. Yeah, and these kids. Fantastic! Like, like I can hold a scene them. with just them, no adults on screen, and yeah, yeah, exactly. So, highest possible recommendation. Check it out. Let us know what you think about it at AsiaVisit at gmail.com. Look us up online as well at Awesome Pods on Twitter, Facebook, and the interwebs. Uh, what else? Yeah, check out the other shows on the Awesome Podcast Network. Always, as always, a big shout out to uh, our two of our biggest supporters, uh, John and James, and Now versus Nostalgia, and also our good friend Ben Wyatt down in Tasmania with the Asia Mania podcast. And hats off to you, Ben, because first of all, i got to give Ben props because he was guesting on another 80s podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80s... Shit. I don't, where's my phone? 80s shit. 80s Brought Picture House. By. 80s Picture House. Okay. I'll give them a free plug because Ben went on that show and when the host of that show asked him what he's been listening to, he's like, oh yeah, 80s are visiting. And he's like, you're going to come on my show and plug another 80s <laughs> show. So thank you, Ben. Thank you. And then, Stay strong. And in, and in all fairness... Listen to the 80, whatever I said the name of it was, 80s Picture House, I think. 80s Picture House, yeah. yeah. Let, me, let me make sure, while I'm still talking and buying time, to make sure I'm giving you the right name, because when he told me he was guessing on it, that's when I uh, you know, looked it up, because 80s Picture House, yep, check that one up. I, think, I believe it's a gentleman from England that does it. Uh, so all around the world, the 80s is alive and well. Yeah, it's a UK website. Yep, there you go. 80s Picture House, so check them out too. And, uh, but also... Ben, we were talking online, and we're going to get together uh, and actually guest on some a couple of his shows soon. They just uh, had episode 155 come out. What mm-hmm. are we on, 153? I don't know, Jess. You have to tell oh, me. Oh, it's, it's neck and neck. <laughs> All right, we're going to do like five episodes right now. <laughs> oh, they're on 157. Never mind. Yeah. we got a long way to go. Yeah, uh, plenty of stuff to listen there, too, when you're done with ours and after you're done with Now vs. Nostalgia. And, but uh, Ben does a ton of podcasts as well, not just the Asia Mania one. He was talking. He was like, "Yeah, I got seventeen, like already ready to put out over the next month." I'm like, "Jesus Christ!" <laughs> He's a workhorse. Puts them out, but hey, that's awesome. Plenty yeah. of stuff to listen to. There's never a bored moment uh, when you have when you're into podcasts and you have connections. In terms of you know, I don't very few podcasts do I got and find look for except like say for Overwatch. I wanted to find a podcast, a good one on that to help me, you know, hear some strategies maybe or some things that I don't know. You know, I rarely look for podcasts. Everything, most of the podcasts I listen to, 99% of them are all word of mouth hmm. that I've learned from people that listen to this one or said, hey, if you, you know, I, I listen to your podcast and also this one. I check that one out. That's, that's how I find stuff. Or 
word of mouth from like, hey, you're like, yeah, listen to this podcast and they're talking about board games or, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's how I find new podcasts. I don't act, usually active search because there's a bajillion podcasts out there. Everybody can take their phone and do a podcast. So if you've got any podcast recommendations, let us know at AsiaVisited at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. We appreciate it. And also, we don't have a Kickstarter. We don't do Patreon and all that. A lot of podcasts do. That's fine. We just want to hear from you and, know, and hear if we're doing a good or a bad job. Either way, I don't care. My, we're, me and Jesse are talking mainly for my benefit because I like to talk about things and my wife gets bored and just has that zombie look on her face <laughs> that I know she's not listening to what I'm saying. But at least me and Jesse can have a rapport and talk about some things. So we hope you do enjoy that too. And also, sorry about the whole like talking too much about Mrs. Doubtfire. It's just better than Tootsie, so <laughs> final thought on that. But anyway, check us out next week where we'll go over the top 10, my personal top 10 films of what uh, I would say is actually a pretty dry year in terms of films, 1983. And I've totally fucked up the segue because Stranger Things takes place in 1983. And I was going to say, speaking of 1983, uh, the well. top, well, next, year, next week we're going to go over the top films of 1983, the same year that Stranger Things is taking place. Just pretend we did it right. Yeah, pretend I did it right. Because I wrote it down and then went right <laughs> past it because I just get so excited talking to all you people all over the world, everywhere from Tasmania to England to right down the road. So, you know, drop us a line, drop us a review, let us know. Uh, I need two more films for it to do another request month. So if anybody's got any requests, let us know. And I, speaking of that, I almost forgot of mm. the email because <laughs> I'm all over the place because they're so excited. Damn it, talking about the 80s movies. Oops. But uh, speaking of our good friend Ben, he actually sent me an email just the other day. And I'll read it real quick. Not going to do the accent again because I don't want to offend any other Australians or Tasmanians <laughs> listening with my horrible accent. If they don't, even if they know that I mean the best intentions. Uh, but he says, hey guys, been a couple of weeks without sending an email, so I thought I'd chip in on the last couple of movies. Uh, Overboard, he's never seen it. He always gets mixed up with Captain Ron. Understandable, because that's <laughs> the other film that always, always you can always, so according to Kurt Russell, up. always find on a boat. So, that works. And he says, about Tango and Cash, I love this movie as a kid. I mean, how can a movie that has a minigun hanging out of a side of a van be bad? However, I did watch it a few years ago, and the movie is too long and starts to outstay its welcome. Yep. Yep, but I you know, agree can't change how you felt about it as a kid because <laughs> plenty of i had a what's that gi joe vehicle had the uh similar it was a i think it was a van but it was a had that like flip out machine gun turtle van had one wasn't a machine right. gun though it was like a little no that's true thing that, that extended that shot, where you could like like catch them or something like a net or some shit wasn't it because it shot sewer oh. things from out the, from under the hood i mean uh bumper wasn't it oh in it's the movie so for sure yeah yeah but yeah Turtle van, something where the door opened and you slid out. Yeah, and like shot something. something. Yeah, it was close enough. We'll say it's. We'll say it works. Sure. But Ben did have an, a request. And he said, "If it's possible, I'd like to request Hard Ticket to Hawaii from 1987, which I've never seen." He says it's absolutely batshit crazy. You had me at batshit. And here's a small clip from it. I'd like you guys to narrate over, which we're about to play now. Uh, the full movie's on YouTube, and everybody needs to see it. Thanks. Uh, well, Ben, your wish is my command. I sent Jesse this link. I haven't seen this. Jesse, did you watch it at all? Nope, didn't okay, watch so it. This is the first time we're watching this. So this is first impressions. And once we actually do get a couple more requests, this will be one of the requested films. So please, I need two more requests so I can watch this movie that's batshit crazy. <laughs> so here's a taste of Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Sure. Okay. Now, Trey Wait. has done a beach frisbee scene before. Yeah, right? beach montage. Who's that turkey with you? He's just a thrower. Sorry, Buster. We ain't allowed here. Take off. <laughs> hey, lighten up. We're just throwing. No, oh, you're yeah? walking and Don't holding. Oh, my God. 
Wheel of Uzi. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, that's some skills. That's some intense frisbee skills. While he had the gun holster, too. Mm hmm. Oh, okay. That's the same okay, trick, buddy. Yeah, stop doing that's the same less thing. points. It's like Tony Hawk, Pro Skater. You can't do the same trick twice without points. Uh, being deducted. The gun. So Why you get down. lost? What do you mean? <laughs> I mean it. Move out. Now. I'm already in love with this film. <laughs> Just based on what we've seen. Go get the frisbee. Hey, Colleen. How do you know her name? You've got a great ass. <laughs> it's not that great. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen better. He looks like that dude off the Bold and the Beautiful. You don't look so hot to me. Oh yeah. Oh, he pulls out his black frisbee. This. Okay, they're like five feet apart. I know. Frisbee. <laughs> hey. Whoa, he's pulling out one with razor blades. Oh, oh please, this could be the greatest scene ever. <laughs> For the Molokai cops. Uh, is he some sort of traveling frisbee assassin? Holy shit. <laughs> okay, everybody has to watch this clip. Go to Heart Chicken to Hawaii frisbee scene on YouTube. You have to see the end. I don't want to spoil what just happened. You so had to... did, he, did he show a gun earlier? Yeah. Oh, right. He, we don't need he doesn't a gun. need it. He's got the razor frisbee. <laughs> right. You have to see the conclusion of that scene. We narrated it up until the money shot. Okay, and I definitely need two more uh, requests for movies we haven't done. Send them in. I have to watch this film and get shit-faced while I watch it because it looks absolutely amazing based on just that. <laughs> Go to uh, look it up on IMDb real quick. All right. If it's, oh, it should be on there. Hard ticket to Hawaii. Yeah, but Ben, thank you. If you haven't seen Deadly Prey, that's my gift to you. Please watch that one. We covered it on the podcast. I believe it should be on YouTube as well. It, oh, holy shit. It is the motherfucker from Bold and the Beautiful. Ron Moss? Yeah. Don't ask me how I know that. I don't. I'm, I wasn't. No. No, I think I talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, my mom used to watch that show, and I, when I, we used to, uh, our office used to be right out in our backyard in a converted barn. So for lunch, we just go to the house and eat lunch, and mom would always watch Bold and the Beautiful. And it's that dude. His, I think on that, wait, what's his name? Rowdy Abilene? That's a badass in, name. In, in the uh, show, yeah. But uh, he's Ridge, I think, his name on Bold and the Beautiful. But like, I fell in love with that show because of him because he's such a terrible actor. <laughs> if you think of the most stereotypical soap opera actor, it's him. Like, he's bad. It's not Tootsie? No. <laughs> well, if he was in drag, talking with a southern right. accent, then this definitely would be. <laughs> that would be totally the worst actress ever. Actor <laughs> ever. Yeah, I'm excited to watch this film now. Wow. Ben, thank you. Ridge sure. Forrester. Yeah, that's him. Like, God, he's all the way up to 2012. He's terrible, but he's so bad. It's like three thousand over three thousand episodes of that. Jesus Christ. Jeez, wow. good for him. Every fucking day, pretty much all year. So yeah, thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, like I mentioned, we'll be we're doing some guest stuff with Ben. Uh, hopefully in the upcoming week, but we'll uh, advertise that here as well. But until next time, when we talk about 1983 in terms of the best and worst, I am Trey Harris. And Jesse Sedgley. See y'all later, cowabunga! Find this show and more on facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on twitter 
at Awesome Pods.